ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my Purpose Girls. So a couple of years ago, I was at a podcast conference and I literally had started my podcast like five minutes before. I may have had just my first three or four episodes. And I went to this like big session and there are four podcasters up on the stage. I want to say that three of them were men. I don't even know. But there was one young, beautiful, fun, quirky, creative, smart, mindful, conscious woman. And she's talking about how she grew her podcast and how like here, here now she gets to talk to, I don't even know what it was at the time, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. And I looked at her and I said, universe, I will have what she's having. And then I remember saying to myself, one day I'm going to have her on my podcast and I will be on her podcast. And fast forward, my friends, today is that day. I am so excited. I'm so, so, so excited because she and I have been on very similar journeys and we're going to want to get into her story. But we all know how many of you out there have made bad decisions in your life. You've at some point in your life, you went with the person that you knew you shouldn't be with. You stayed in that relationship too long. You got trapped into numbing out with something, whether that was food or that was shopping or that was Chardonnay, and you didn't know how to find your way back. You continued to experience life looking for something, looking for something on the outside. And then perhaps only by finding this podcast or her podcast or some other book or something out there, did you start saying, wait a minute, this is an inside job. And there's so much that I want to shift into really loving myself and really being mindful and therefore really being happy. Well, that's exactly what my guest today has done. And I am so excited to just dive into all the topics of how we shift, how we shift from any sort of external trauma and pain into purpose, how we shift from searching in all the wrong places into going inward and how do we build a freaking awesome podcast? So let me introduce you to my guest today, Melissa Monti. Melissa Monti is a mindset coach and the host of the podcast Mind Love. After spending a decade being what she calls a guinea pig for bad decisions, she became obsessed with learning what makes humans tick. Now she teaches people the tools that turned her life around. Through raw stories and inspiring interviews, her podcast Mind Love highlights the incredible role of the mind in creating a life you love waking up for. Melissa, welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I am so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you because I told you that story before, but I looked at you really as my expander. 
right? Like, and if you all don't know that term expander, it's when you see someone that maybe you would be jealous of otherwise, and you're comparing yourself to otherwise, but you look at them and you say, oh, if she's doing it, that shows that I can. And I remember seeing you on that stage and being really impressed. It's funny that you say I'm your expander because I know that you teach about creating that purpose statement. And when I was looking for mine, one of my original purpose statements that I still come back to all the time is uh, I want to help people expand their mindsets to expand their possibilities. And so that word expansion has been like my word of the year, several years. (laughs) And so it was really an alignment that you said that. Yeah, I hear that now. It just really was. I had just started my podcast and I saw you there and you were the only woman, right? Yeah. Up there with, and and this is not like a dig on all the men or any of that, but you're like this gorgeous woman. And I'm like, all right, if she can do it, I can do it. So talk to us, if you will, share your own journey to mindfulness and to the Mind Love podcast. I grew up with a pretty great life, for the most part, you know, other than like divorced parents, nothing traumatic really happened to me until I was 15. Uh, I was raised in a religion that I no longer feel in alignment with. Uh, And so when my first sexual assault happened, I really did not know how to deal with it at all. I I didn't have any coping tools other than relying on some religion. And, And interestingly enough, Nobody asked me in my religion about what happened, but they had heard rumors and I was kind of uh, blamed for what happened to me, which is Mm. one of the reasons I started to find my own path. But over the next few years, I just felt really lost and I just kept getting hit by traumas. Another sexual assault, my dad died, I lost a friend to suicide. And so this whole time I was just trying to rise above it. And I thought the way to do that was to just stuff all of my trauma down and to put on a happy face. And I was determined not to let it impact me. Well, what I didn't realize is that by not processing any of that, Regardless of if I chose to let it out, it was going to find its way out in different ways. And so Mm -hmm. it was manifesting in my life into a really serious case of bulimia, really bad decisions. I had really low self-worth. And so I wasn't treating myself very well. So I didn't have really high standards for how I expected other people to treat me. And I was really almost obsessed with proving my worth in all the wrong ways, like building up all these skills, which... I mean, I'm kind of glad I did. I have a lot of skills now, (laughs) but it wasn't changing any of the ways that I felt inside. And honestly, I wasn't able to really use those skills purposefully until I started to heal. And so I ended up in a really terrible relationship with somebody who was, I found out slowly over time was addicted to meth and gambling and then was Mm. also secretly robbing people's houses. So uh, I ended up in jail for somebody else's crime for a while and, and really almost destroying my life. And I moved to LA to get away from this person. He followed me. He threw a brick through my windshield, broke into my house, was kind of terrorizing me until I moved again. Long story short, he ended up getting arrested for another string of robberies and I was finally free. And in that moment, I decided I was not going to waste my freedom and I needed to find a way out of the hole I had been digging myself in for years. And so it was a really slow journey out. So many people want to know, like, what was your turning point? There were a thousand little turning points and it was really one good decision mixed with five bad ones and then another good decision mixed with five bad ones. And so 
over the next five to seven years, I was still partying really hard, but I was also going to yoga and I was meeting new friends that I was hanging out with outside of my party friends. And then slowly but surely these little seeds were planted. And before I knew it, one foot in front of the other over years at a time, I finally was able to look back and I was like, I am not in the place that I was before. But through that Mm. time, I had learned so many things that I was the person that all my friends came to when something was going on because I had so many different things to relate to. I tended to be very open-minded and non-judgmental and and that really helped me to be able to change my mindset more quickly than if I were, were to have been stubborn and and think I knew it all. <laughs> I knew, I knew at the depths of my rock bottom that I didn't know a whole lot. So I was open to learning whatever. So I just mm. kept reading and and uh eventually I got to a point where I had made so many positive changes in my life and and I was healing so many aspects of myself, but I was still just lost. I was working for somebody else. My The CEO was fairly toxic and I had learned enough to know that I deserved to be treated better. And also I wasn't lighting my own fire. I wasn't excited to get mm-hmm. out of bed in the morning. So I started to go back to all of those what I had originally thought were cheesy little activities and books about how to find your purpose. And it was when I actually started doing them instead of just thinking I was making the changes just by reading them, actually applying them to my life that I started to get little insights about what I would, what would be really be sustainable in my life and what I was Mm -hmm. endlessly curious about. And that really led me to mind love. What I was endlessly curious about was the power of the mind in creating an intentional life and in creating a life that I loved waking up for, whether that's based off of spirituality or real brain optimization or interesting things like lucid dreaming, just like the power of the mind. And so I started my podcast and it allowed me to not just talk about what I love all the time, but continuously learn and be able to reach out to people that inspire me and have conversations and inspire other people along the way. And so that was my journey to here. It's incredible. It's like with each thing that you said, I'm like, wait, what? We got to stop there and talk about that. Wait, 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 what's that? No, 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 no. We got to stop and talk about that. Right starting with the sexual trauma. And it's not that we have to talk about it, but I was in a room of 2,000 women once. And it was like a women's weekend. And the leader said, if you have been abused in any way, sexually, emotionally, physically, et cetera, please stand up. And I was like in the front row and I stood up and I turned around and almost every single woman had stood up. And I share that because to hear your story, that it began with the sexual traumas, that continued because you stuffed them down and stuffed them down. You didn't have someone saying to you, please stand up. I want to hear you. I want to see you. I want to acknowledge you. You then stuffed and stuffed until you ended up into these other toxic places. Of course you were going to. Like, how could you not, right? Mm -hmm. And what's amazing, Melissa, is hearing your journey. I love how you say... It's one good decision. You can have 16 bad decisions. I think you said five, but we'll give you 16. <laughs> one I had way more than five. Then, I was just right. <laughs> trying to make myself look right. better. <laughs> <laughs> one. And I think we sometimes think it's got to be so hard. Like I suddenly have to become vegan. I suddenly have to, you know, never have a drop of wine again. I suddenly, it's like I have to do everything and we don't. It's one good decision with all the others. So as someone is hearing this, right? And I just wanted to kind of, highlight and pause into a couple of the things that you said and then ending up in jail like girlfriend I don't even know 
I cannot even imagine. How long were you in jail? Eight days. Eight days for a crime you didn't commit. Yeah, that was a tough one. And the hard thing was, is I remember sitting there and it was my rock bottom. It was one of those moments where I was like, I just ruined my life. I ruined my life. Let somebody else influence me into ruining my life just to kind of save somebody else from their rock bottom. I'm now hitting mine. You cannot save somebody from their rock bottom. You just end up kind of cushioning their fall, going down with them. And you're the one with all the bruises. So uh, I learned my lesson there, but it wasn't even like I was just in jail. It was I remember sitting there thinking, I don't have enough privacy to purge my food. And that Mm. moment was my rock bottom where I'm like, I am a hot mess. How am I ever going to get out of this? And I remember like when I was younger, I loved playing video games with my grandma. I'd play like Super Mario. And if I lost a life too early in the game, I'd just press the reset button because I loved going in with like a clean slate and full life force. But I remember just being like, I cannot press the reset button on this. This is going to follow me to every job interview, Mm. every rental application. Like this is with me forever that I'm going to have to explain. And it's such a long story. It's like, yeah, that was my turning point, though. Thankfully, it was you can only really bounce up from (laughs) rock bottom that low. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. And here, you know, I talk a lot about pain to purpose and it's like perhaps without that rock bottom, you wouldn't be here. 100%. And what I look back on, because I got a felony for him. And the reason was because I I basically went to Hawaii to get away from him. I had friends there because I used to live there. And I stayed for a month. And I was just like, I need to get myself together. I started eating healthy again, hanging out with better people. And so I was I was feeling really good. But when I flew home, I realized that old hollow pull was still kind of there. It was like I had healed myself on the outside, all these surface level things, but I had never really addressed the pain on the inside. So when he Mm. called me again with another excuse, I was just like an addict relapsing back into that, back into having to prove myself to show him how good I was doing without him. And so we went to lunch Mm. and And uh, we hung out for a few days in a row. And then all of a sudden we were arrested and I was so confused, but he had been cheating on me over and over again, which I had caught him over and over again. He also borrowed my dog while I was gone. And so he was breaking into these homes that were, uh, he had all the MLS reports because he used to do loans. And so he knew all the houses that were for sale and when people were there and when people weren't, oh, this person works Mm. nine to five so that realtors could come. And he'd just clip the lockbox off the front and then like Jimmy, a screwdriver in, walk in with the key. He drove a Mercedes Benz dressed nicely. So no one ever reported it as suspicious. Well, he was cheating on me, brought some other girl and, uh, And so there was one eyewitness account and I could have proven myself innocent because I was in Hawaii. I had all the records that I was in Hawaii, my debit card purchases, whatever. Mm -hmm. But if I went to trial, he went to trial too, because our cases were connected and it would have guaranteed that he got 10 years in jail. And at the time I was so Mm. low, I thought that protecting him was more important than protecting myself. I knew I could handle it, but I didn't know he could handle it. And so I took that one of the worst decisions ever, seemingly. However, I know myself, I have always excelled with things that I've applied myself to. And I know Mm. I probably would have just gotten a good, well-paying job and led a life that I was mediocrely happy with. But that 
felony was a slingshot to entrepreneurship for me because there was no way I was going to explain that whole story on two lines of a job application. And so I started to teach myself internet marketing and I started to uh, really, really just focus all of my time on how I was going to create a business that I didn't have to get anyone else's permission for. And so in the end, I'm thankful for that bad decision. Okay. 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 Like praise, praise, praise. <laughs> All right. So I want you to just rewind that 30 seconds and listen to what Melissa just said again, because how many times have we all felt like there's a barrier so big that we can't overcome it, right? Like you're thinking no one's going to hire me ever with a felony. And so instead of getting like wallowing in that, Melissa, and just deciding that you're never going to be able to earn any money or do anything or fulfill any dream, you're like, okay. If I can't get a job by somebody else, how can I earn? How can I live my purpose? How can I do something awesome? I will learn to be an entrepreneur, right? So it's like, instead of the, I can't, how can I is, is amazing. You know how many people would have wallowed in just like self-pity at that moment? I mean, I did for a few days. <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed. I'm like, you were allowed weeks, months, Ben and Jerry's, all the Ben and Jerry's, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> well, it's like we feel like if we have more options, we're going to be happier. But then we get stuck in analysis paralysis mm. and we, we have all these options. We have no idea what to do. And, and then we don't even move forward at all. And one thing I've learned over the years is, like I said, I want to go in, a, in with a clean slate and full life force, but I do get stuck with analysis paralysis because I can make a lot of things work. I can enjoy myself in different areas. But instead, I've decided to use my limitations as guideposts, just kind of steering me in a new direction. And so it's mm. kind of, it reminds me of when I became vegan and I was like, oh my gosh, eating at restaurants is not going to be as fun. But I used to be that girl that was like, oh, just choose me last. I'll figure it out after I hear what everybody else wants. And then I look at the menu for way too long. And then, and then I order something and then I'm looking at everybody else's dishes, wishing I had ordered what they had. And now I'm like, oh, there's one vegan thing on the menu. Mm. I feel confident about this and I'm going to love it. <laughs> you know, so It's like the same thing with that life path where I'm like, well, how am I going to do this without having to feel humiliation, without having to like uh, get down on myself even more with every single application and every single no. And so I decided to just kind of carve my own path. And, and it's, it's something that I've been living by today. And I still try to do that where if I hit a roadblock, I'm like, instead of sitting here looking at the roadblock, I'm going to find my way around it. Yes. Yes. My kind of woman, my kind of woman. It's because we're all going to get roadblocks. We get them all day long. We get them everywhere. And it's really just, do we allow that to be like a, a full wall or do we allow that to be a way of showing us, okay, there's another way, find an even better way, right? Find something else. You know, what's interesting about the research, research actually shows that Americans, not other countries, Americans want more choice. We want all the choices, <laughs> but it actually makes us more miserable because we get into analysis paralysis. We get into regret that when we just have like one or two choices, we're actually happier, which is so interesting. So your podcast is called Mind Love. Tell us what mind love is. Really, I just think about, like I said, the power of the mind is so important. It really creates our reality. It, there can be two people living 
very similar lives, living in the same household, having the same job. And one can be miserable and the other one can be elated every single day. And it just depends on the mindset because we will look for evidence on the stories that we're currently telling ourselves. And so I knew I wanted it to be about the power of the mind. And then when I think about what does love really mean, love is just energy. It's it's a positive energy that you're giving towards something. And so when I think of the idea of mind love, it's creating a positive energy around the idea of the mind, which is what is creating our lives. Mm. You have really, like, as you described your journey, you really had to do a lot of, a lot of work within, right? Instead of without. And for someone who's listening, they're like, oh, that sounds exhausting. Right. And I know I've gone on my own journey within and sometimes I don't want to. Sometimes it seems easier to just can I just focus elsewhere and can I just be outside? Talk to us about how to really go inside in a way that feels good. It is a hard thing to do. It is why I stuff down my feelings so often. But when I really looked at the entirety of my life experience as I was stuffing that down, It's not like I was making anything easier for myself by not doing the work. How many times was I ruminating on my own pain? How many times was I ruminating Mm. on what was taken from me? And that ruminating is basically Mm. the cause of all of my unhappiness. So I could dampen my entire life by being lazy and letting, letting my pain eat away at me inside, or I could use that same time ruminating to ruminate on something a little bit more positive. And so it does create more intention because that rumination without doing the work is going to happen automatically. So you've got to create the intention. And it seems like the worst thing in the world because we tend to come up with ideas to keep us in our current state of mind to keep us in our own energy, which is why when we're depressed, going for a run or getting up and even meeting with our most positive friends sounds awful. We want to lay in bed. But how often does laying in bed make you any happier? No, it's just what that current state of mind is coming up with. And so you have to, what I realized is I had to leave little seeds from my higher self when I was in a higher state. When I was in a positive mood, that's when I would write the list of what keeps me in this mood. What do I love to do? What lights me up? It might be walking the beach or walking my dog or reading a book or doing yoga. I know that those things are going to sound terrible, but I have to trust that the human version of myself that is kind of stuck in this place isn't going to like the higher self version of activities. Mm. However, I know that I'm so much happier when I'm in that place. And so at first it just takes that trust in the higher self. Like, okay, Mm. I know how I was feeling when I wrote this. I do not feel it. I don't even believe it right now, but let me just try. And it doesn't have to be something hard. It doesn't have to be the same thing every time. I am the kind of person that the same thing doesn't work for me every single time. So I can't have just one routine. I need a list of like 20 things. And then I'll pick whatever seems the least awful. Right. <laughs> That's how I work. And like, mo- okay, making a matcha latte doesn't sound that terrible. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's so powerful. It's like, why do we meditate or why do we write a list of positive things when we feel good? It would seem like the only time to do that is when we don't feel good. And it's like, no, we do it when we feel good so that, it's more accessible to us when we don't feel good because the truth is we're all going to have downs in life. Like I used to be somebody, Melissa, I only wanted the ups, right? Like I cannot watch a movie unless it has a happy ending. I have no interest in, and I will just be honest about that. I have to have a happy ending. I have no interest in it. Otherwise like 
that's just how I am. And so I, I, for so long, avoided having any of the downs. And then that, like the more you stuff something down, it just comes back in another way, right? Like we were saying. And so it comes back bigger. And so instead, what I've done is shifting, like you're saying, first of all, this acceptance, like, all right, there's going to be the down times. We're going to have the ups and we're going to have the downs. And then when I'm in the down and that part of my brain is like, no, we just want to sit here and feel sorry for ourselves. What do I know feels really good? Like, what do I, what, what do I know? I love that list you're saying of 20 things, at least, <laughs> might work, might support me in that moment just to have the teeniest shift. The mistake I made in the beginning, and I wouldn't really call it a mistake. It was a, a learning process. But in the beginning, I thought that by feeling it and by processing it, I, I needed to think about it all the time. I needed to think about it mm. long enough to where it brought me back to that pain. When that's not necessarily the case. Because if I'm just giving more power to the story, it's very easy to go back to that time and, and think, gosh, you made such a stupid mistake. Oh my gosh, you should have left then and you should have done this. Those should haves aren't going to process your pain. And what was helpful for me, what's the most helpful is actually just to feel the feelings without giving more power to the story. So instead of asking, why am I feeling this way? Oh my gosh, that mistake I made or this thing that I did or this thing that I can never erase, I would just ask myself, where do I feel this in my mm. body? What does that feel like? Is it a tightness in my chest? Can I feel my eyes welling up? Can I feel my cheeks getting heavy? What does that feel like? And, and just think about the sensations and not the story. And that was really helpful. And yes, it would bring those sensations up. But isn't it interesting how when we do watch a sad movie, like The Notebook, something about that cry feels really good? Well, when I was just processing those sensations, I'm not saying it all felt amazing, but it, it did feel like a release, like mm -hmm. a catharsis. And mm -hmm. so then I was able to, sometimes I would be crying like a toddler for like 40 minutes, just emoting and releasing. But then after that, it was like, I would feel lighter and parts of that story weren't dragging me down anymore. It was, it was like, I could, I knew how to release the things that were stuck in my body. And so again, adding more power to the sensations, allowing those sensations to rise up so they can move through you and release is a different version of, of coming back to that trauma than just reliving the story over and over again. Right, right. It's the reliving of the story. It's the telling it over and over again, and then the judging ourselves for it, right? Like that, why did I do that? I shouldn't have done that. I'm beating ourselves up. You know, we know from the science that the trauma and stress are only in our bodies for 90 seconds. What keeps it going for days, weeks, months, years is that we keep going over the story. And especially when it's a story, when we say, I should have, why did I do this? And just really living in a place of regret where there's nothing we can do about it. Instead of having like a really beautiful moment with ourselves of feel that shame and love that part of you and feel that grief and love that part of you that has loss. And I even do a lot myself and with clients around anger. Like how many of us women have like never been allowed our anger and to like really scream, really not at somebody, right? <laughs> but rather just have a safe place to just like throw plates and punch pillows and like, you know, beat something up 
you mean, like a pillow, you know, that is just getting it out and through our bodies and acknowledging I'm human. This is a normal human feeling that I've been stuffing down. Right. And, and it's like everything after that is a choice. You are choosing to kind of ruminate in that same amount of pain. And Mm. there is a way to process that if you do want, sometimes it is helpful to be like, to reframe your decisions, to decide what you will do moving forward. And so there's a difference between ruminating around, I should have done this, I should have done that. Then it is saying, moving forward, I will do this. And moving forward, I will do that. Mm, Because mm -hmm. that is taking the learning lesson and figuring out what that is and applying it to your future. But you can't apply it to your past. That's already done. And so it doesn't move you forward at all by staying stuck in that place. Mm. And is that then how you heal the stuck emotions, right? Because I imagine, you know, a lot of emotion, as you said, got stuck from the abuse, a lot of emotion from your dad passing. I mean, that that's a lot that got stuck in your body. And is that still how you work with it? Yeah, that's how I work with, I mean, I think so many of us think we're going to go on this growth path and then we're just going to be golden and everything's going to be awesome from here on out. You know, I'm enlightened now. Yeah. It's like, yeah, now I have a shitty day again. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And so then they're like, well, I'm, I, there's been so many times that I've been like, I should have been over this by now. I shouldn't be feeling this anymore. Mm. I dealt with that a lot in my pregnancy. I, I'm fairly certain I had prenatal depression for a number of reasons. And I remember thinking, this isn't how I should be experiencing this pregnancy. I should be connecting with that unborn child. And this should be such a spiritual experience. And I couldn't get around what I was feeling in my body because I was nauseated every single day. I had moved to a new town. I didn't have friends up here. I was stuck inside because it was snowing. And so those were the stories I was telling myself. And so I got stuck in this place again. And I remember... I had a podcast interview one day and I was just like, I don't even want to do it. I can't get out of my lower self to spread love or to be some create words of wisdom on this podcast. And I almost canceled it, but I sat in a meditation for a minute and I was just like, I need to do this. For some reason I felt called to do this. And it was the perfect person to be interviewing because I I started to prepare and I randomly found an episode that she was on of somebody else's podcast. And I just scrubbed to the middle, kind of playing like podcast roulette and uh, (laughs) just wanting to see what it led me to. And at that timestamp, she was started talking about how she struggled with postpartum depression and how she's a brain scientist. And, Mm. and she's like, it's so different knowing all the things than experiencing all the things. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I need to speak with this person. And she was the one who reminded me about moving those emotions through my body by just Mm -hmm. sitting in meditation and feeling instead of giving more power to the story. And it was something I had already known, something I had told about on my podcast. But like I said earlier, coming up with those high vibe ideas when you're in a low vibrational state is almost feels impossible. And so I needed that reminder. And that was such a gift from this other person who had done the work to kind Mm -hmm. of bring that back into my life. And so there's such a joy in making sure you're also connected with other people that are doing the work because we're all in this together. Everything's Mm -hmm. connected. And sometimes you're going to need that helping hand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In fact, when you interviewed me on your podcast, you said something that has stuck with me for the last week. You said that you used to be somebody who knew how to tell the jokes so everybody would laugh, how to like show up and entertain. And it struck me because I thought this woman and I are like the same human. And 
has been just a moment of awareness checking in. Is this really the joke that I want to tell in the moment? Or is this like a needing to prove myself? And it's just a reminder. I wasn't even planning on bringing that up today, but it's a reminder that when we're open, every conversation has something for us, right? And that there, we don't know where the breadcrumbs are going to lie and that we're all in this together, right? There is no guru. <laughs> we're all learning from each other and we're all in this together and there's going to be shitty days and there's going to be good days and we just keep connecting. And I have to say, Melissa, I love that you just talked about prenatal depression. Like, again, wasn't even going to go there on this episode, but I have talked a lot about my pregnancy journey and my birth. And I had a very traumatic birth, my son, with my son. And we don't talk about prenatal depression, but I've heard from a lot of women that, no, this is a real thing, that they felt like that there was something wrong with them or shame around it. Right. And I got pregnant very easily. And so I am very sensitive to the fact that it it takes other people a long time to reach that. And so I didn't feel comfortable sharing what I was going through mm. because I knew so many friends around that, that had a whole different pregnancy journey and it was hard for a whole different reason. And I didn't want to feel ungrateful. I didn't want to feel like I was wasting this pregnancy. I didn't want people to view me in a different way, but it's so easy in this place of, you know, when you start developing an audience or you start creating something and, and people have this idea in your mind, one thing I have to constantly check in with myself is, am I trying to live up to this person that I think other people see me as, or am I just here to be real about my story and trust that that's going to help just as many people. And mm. I think coming from that place of authenticity is mm -hmm. so much more important, but I do have to constantly remind myself. I mean, the more people reach out and say this about me or, oh my gosh, you're helping me so much. It, you've got to continuously, I have to continuously humble myself to just make sure that I'm still being real because mm -hmm. I mean, so much of this life is an illusion anyways. It's easy to get caught up in your own illusion. And so to check back in and say, how am I feeling? Am I conveying that? Am I connecting with people in that way? Because it's not just about being inauthentic to other people. It's not about how other people are going to perceive that as much as it is, am I living my life in an inauthentic way to where I am not connecting with me in this moment? I'm connecting with this fake version of me that somehow has been created. Mm-hmm that we created it somewhere along the way because we thought that that's what we needed in order to be loved. When what I love about what you do on your podcast, one of the things I try to do here is let's just be real, right? Because we feel it when we're not. Mm -hmm. We feel it when we're not. And the mind plays incredible tricks on us that we're supposed to be some other version that somebody else wants. And it's funny, you know, we think about when I, like when I was watching you up on that stage one day, oh, I want what she has, right? I want to have that big of an audience. And it's so important, no matter if you're feeling that success in the moment or you're not, that you stay grounded. Yeah, we have enough people to compare ourselves to. I mean, we have more access to seeing everybody than we ever have in the history of mankind. I mean, we used to only have to compare ourselves to like the people in our high school and like Becky down the street. And now we literally can look up anybody that exists <laughs> in the world. Millions and millions, has, yes. Like 
the thousands of perfect butts and perfect waists and whatever. The last thing we need is to be comparing ourselves to this version of ourselves that doesn't even exist, mm -hmm. to the Photoshopped version of me that just creates my own highlight reel. And so I find myself being more and more drawn to the people that are also being authentic, that are like, hey, I really screwed up and this is how I'm processing it right now. And tomorrow I might learn even more from this experience, but here's where I'm at. Instead of, I have all of this figured out because because you don't. And then you're going, it's going to be even harder to connect with right, people because you've, you've forgotten how to connect because you're connecting this inauthentic version of yourself. So I, I find that most of my healing comes from just sharing what I'm going through because that's when I get people mm. reaching out to give me their advice. I don't have to figure it out all on my own. And a lot of times just by speaking from the heart, I can hear that higher voice, that higher self version come through and give me the answers instead of trying to force them through with this perfect mm. version of me. Mm. Let's talk about that for one minute. That higher voice. I have a sense when she's talking to me and it took a long time for me to be able to hear, okay, that's her. No, those are the assholes on the bus. No, those are the other voices in my head. Those are, right? And sometimes it can get really confusing. Is this my truth, my inner wisdom? Or is this, you know, that as one of my mentors had called it inner mean girl or, you know, Another person I love calls it inner asshole. So however you call it, the fear brain, how do you do your discernment between the voices? If it's not coming from a place of love, then it's not my higher self. Mm. I feel like we need to just put a picture frame around that. If it doesn't sound like love, it's not my higher self. Yeah. Right. Right. Because your higher self isn't going to take down your higher ideas. It's not going to talk you out of living your dream. It's not going to talk you out of taking those big risks. And so I do see that times people are like, what about that gut instinct that says, don't go near this person? But ask yourself, is that out of a place of love? Because that's not what you deserve. Even those things that are telling you to move away from something is can still be from a place of love. You're going to this job interview and you have this feeling or you you get this intuitive idea that maybe this isn't for you. It's not, is it saying that because it's like, ah, I don't think I can handle that. Or is it saying it because it's like, I think I deserve more than this. And so mm. sometimes that takes sitting with stillness because especially if you're first starting to do this work, that programming is so much louder than that intuitive voice. It's like, no, stop mm -hmm. right there. You can't do this. Who do you think you are to go start a podcast teaching people how to be happy when you're a screw up? <laughs> you know, it's like, or is it something that's like, yes, this is scary, but yes, you can do it. And, and no, you don't have it all figured out. And oh, this feels so exciting. Yeah. And no, yeah. you don't have it all figured out, but nobody has it all figured out. You will figure mm. out more as you take the action, not by sitting there ruminating in your head. Ruminating really does, has never done anything positive for me. So I try to get myself out of that as much <laughs> as possible. And just like we talked about processing emotions in the body, figuring out where you feel that in your body, that's also where our happiness is. One of my favorite quotes mm -hmm. is Alan Watts says, the secret to life is being completely immersed in what you're doing right here and right now. And so many times when I'm feeling like crap, it's because I am stuck in my head and not using my body. And the best way to get out of that is by just focusing on what am I doing in my body? How can I be completely immersed in this moment instead of 
completely immersed in my head. And we have a society right now that puts so much emphasis on our heads. We're scrolling through our phones to where we're living this little life just in our minds and we're not out there doing as often anymore. And so we have to intentionally create that balance and and do that work and and be involved and take the action on the dreams because when you notice that hey i am sitting here just dreaming big for too long just take that first little step and that first little step could be research it could be buying a domain it could be creating a new email address whatever it is and those little steps are the ones that put you back in your body and make you feel like you're moving forward in in life mhm breaking it down, there is like really no little step, right? It's like break it down to any step and then celebrate the heck out of yourself for doing it and showing yourself, wait, I did that. Okay. If I did that, I can do the next thing. And as you talk about that intuitive voice, you know, that inner wisdom and how she or he sounds like love, she's always moving you to a higher place, Mm -hmm. right? As opposed to moving you more into fear, moving you more into feeling smaller, moving you more into some sort of hiding or some sort of feeling bad about yourself. That voice, and and sometimes I practice on the smallest things, like, what do I want for dinner tonight? Do I want Mexican? You know, and like, if if my husband's saying, I want Mexican, I used to be somebody who would just be like, okay, and then I'd be like, oh, I don't want Mexican. Why didn't I say something? And so it's a practice, right? It's a practice of really listening to your voice that says, I don't want Mexican and being able to speak it. And that step, so even out there, if you need to start with a step that seems to have nothing to do with your purpose or nothing to do with that, start with any step of listening to that intuitive voice. I love, love, love. All right, so we were just talking about taking small steps toward your purpose. How did you build your podcast to where it is? I really started to Google how to grow a podcast. And then I decided to do anything other than those tips. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Because all of the tips, so many things were just regurgitated things that yes, could work, but they were really long-term things. And I knew that everybody was already doing those, you know, and yes, those things still help. Guesting on people's podcasts helps a lot. You know, podcast SEO helps a lot, like naming things so that people can search it and you, you find it, but it helps a minor amount. And I had an edge because I was a product designer for apps for a long time. And I worked for a company called Free App A Day that actually marketed other apps. And this was back before in-app purchases were Mm. a thing. And so people hired us to help boost their app to the top of the charts. And so I knew intimately how Apple ranked things. And so I thought... Not a lot of people are have the kind of knowledge that I do, so I almost guarantee that that same type of algorithm is what they use for the podcast mm. store. And so I I wrote down all the ways that boosted the algorithm for the app store. And I applied those. I wrote them down. How can I actually use those in a podcast? And some of these things were like, okay, you think that boosting your algorithm would be getting more downloads, right? Well, that's only a part of the picture. It's also the number of reviews you have, the frequency of reviews, the frequency of downloads. And so say, for example, your podcast gets 10,000 downloads in a month. 
versus if a podcast all, all of a sudden gets 5,000 downloads in a day. Yes, it's less downloads, but all of a sudden Apple's like, well, why are so many people going to this podcast? They must have had a really awesome episode. And so it's frequency of things as well. It's also time listening to the podcast. And so if somebody's tuning into your podcast for 10 minutes and it's an hour podcast and exiting away every single time, and that's what the algorithm is creating, it's so different than if half the amount of people find your podcast, but listen to almost all of it. And so I started to apply these little things such as how can I get people to listen longer? Oh, I would start in the beginning and say, this is what you're going to get in the episode. Or I'd do a teaser clip that was actually a clip from the end of the episode so that people would be more likely to listen until they heard that thing that originally drew them in. If I was cutting for a commercial break, I would ask a question and then cut to a commercial break and then reinsert that question and have the answer so that it would leave a little cliffhanger. And so as many things that I could think of to keep people in at that time, I also really emphasized reviews in the beginning. And, uh, that included kind of guerrilla marketing, going to my co-working place and saying, hey, here's my podcast. Will you subscribe to it? And can you leave a review, please? And they're like, how do I leave a review? So I'm taking their phone and I'm creating an Apple ID for them. <laughs> All the things that it took. And in the beginning, really marketing yourself, if you haven't done that, putting yourself out there can be really difficult. And so just as we were talking about before, where it's like, hey, I'm getting this intuitive voice to take this action. If you don't take it, you are building evidence that you're not the kind of person that can take action. If you take the small action, however small that it can be, you're building evidence that you're the kind of person that can make progress on her goals. And so in the beginning, I remember my launch day, I was planning to go to my co-working space and be like, tell everybody that I knew about it. Well, there were all these fires in California at the time. And so I was like, so bummed out. I'm like, half the people are going to be at my co-working space. And so I thought, how can I get creative and use this limitation as a guidepost, as we talked about earlier. And so I went and I was like, what will people that are actually at the office going to be wanting? What about smoke masks? And so I went to the nearest CVS, bought out all of the smoke masks, and then went in, sat myself up in a booth of my co-working space, posted on the WeWork network, free smoke masks on floor two. And I had a ton of people coming to take them. Every time they came, I had printed out these super like ghetto looking little cards that just said mind love and like where to find it and how to leave a review. And I cut them up with scissors. So they're all these ragged edges <laughs> and everything. Amazing. And every time somebody came for a smoke mask, I told them about my podcast. I asked if they would subscribe. I did the thing where I even took their phones, helped them create an Apple ID, told them things that would be helpful to write. And so this was in the beginning. And even though it, it moved the needle a little bit, I did get my first 40 reviews that day. Yes. But what it did even more was it created an evidence for the fact that I could be bold and I could put myself out there. And mm. by doing that, it opened up myself to even more ideas that I wouldn't have had if I wouldn't have taken that first step. And so even if you have an idea that only moves the needle a little bit, take action on it because then you're going to have a slightly bigger idea and a slightly bigger idea. And your brain starts to work in ways that it didn't before. And so that's how when you meet somebody who's in marketing and they come up mm. with some genius marketing idea and you're like, my brain doesn't even think that way. It's because you haven't even let it think that way. So you've got to start small like everyone else mm. did and become bigger and bigger like a snowball rolling and, and gaining momentum. And so I really do attribute some of those smaller ideas uh, that just helped me be more confident in putting myself out there and realize, you know, I'm not going to be shamed or humiliated by doing this because it does take that boldness yeah. to put yourself out there. Totally. 
okay, everything that she just said, everything that you just said, it's like we all need to really take that in. It is banking evidence. No matter what happens, you have told yourself, I can put myself out there and I will not die. Right? Because I think this is really what keeps us from going big and going out there is that fear brain is so afraid of being humiliated, so afraid that we will die from nobody loving us, from the embarrassment, from the shame and showing I can be bold. And that's the why I say, take a small step and then celebrate the heck out of yourself, right? Like give yourself all of the really good juicy hormones that say, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And then you can find yourself taking bigger and bigger and bigger and getting so creative, right? It's like the, how can I over and over and over again? Okay. The office is ha- half the people aren't going to be there. Well, what could I do? What is possible? How can I do this? Melissa, you basically have just taught us how to train our brain. That's really been my life's work, honestly, is figuring out how to train my brain because I was at a place and I have heard so many people say, my brain's just different. I can't do those things. Mm. Yes, your brain is different and it's awesome. And so your job is not to figure out how to work everyone else's brain. It's how to figure out how to work yours. What's the user manual for that? And our whole lives are driven based on what we believe to be true about ourselves and about the world around us. And so I realize that my whole job here is to create beliefs that are going to empower myself instead of disempower myself. And so whatever that takes, Mm -hmm. and oftentimes my healing or my mindset is just about, okay, how am I thinking about this? Does it feel good or bad? Can I think of it in a different way? All right, let me play with that and just tell myself that story. How does that feel? Can I get it even better with this? And I just keep shifting the story until I feel good enough to move forward. Yes. Is this making me, is my thought about this making me feel good or bad? Like the other day, someone who had verbally said, I'm signing up for coaching, moved and then wasn't able to, to afford it now. She's just like, not right now. And my brain started to go down the rabbit hole of, oh, I'm a loser, right? Kind of old, old stories. And it's like, wait a minute, this thinking is making me feel like crap, right? And so in this moment, I can shift that thinking to what else is true. Wait, what else is true is that she just moved. What else is true is that she said she'll let me know when it's coming back. What else is true is that there's a million other people out there who always tell me they want to work with me. And does my thinking feel good or not? And we can find evidence for whatever thought we want in that moment. I'm just curious, my last thing for you, before we get into Purpose Power Play Round, now you have a little baby. Congratulations, mama. Thank you. And so do you ever think about, because I think about this, you know, here we are in the coaching, uplift people, positivity realm. How that's going to translate when we raise our babies? <laughs> All the time. There's this little part of me. Me too. I'm like, oh my God, I might mess him up so much because I, you know, I'm going to try too hard or something. Yeah. No, I do think about that all the time. But there's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. And and because I I tend to broadcast my life, I'm, I'm always here on the end of the microphone. There's so many times that I'm like, like that being that entertaining person or whatever. And I keep coming back to the idea of instead of trying to figure out how can I change this moment? asking myself, how can this moment change me? And the same thing applies when I am thinking about my child. Mm. Instead of sitting there thinking, how can I mold this child? What if I came at it at, how is this child changing me? And then not only am I not so stuck in the result of what happens with him, 
I'm more focused on how, what energy I have in the moment and how this is such an expansive learning opportunity. And this is the other cycle of life, you know, where I am at first his greatest teacher and then he becomes mine. And so instead of trying to give him all the lessons, I'm focused on extracting the lessons from my time together with him. And that way we're both evolving in a more natural way rather than me trying to shape him into who I think he's, he should be because I am constantly changing. And so whatever idea I have, how I'm going to shape him right now is going to be completely different than the idea I have in 10 years. What greater thing can I bring to him than instead just kind of infusing that love that we talked about, that positive attention, allowing him to flourish in the natural ways that he's going to do and then see how that affects me instead. And so I'm less focused on just creating him. And, and I, I think of it more as we're co-creating this together. Mm, 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 mm. What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful perspective on being a parent and will help me as I just go into my afternoon and being with my baby boy. How's this moment changing me? So profound, so profound. So Melissa, I could talk to you all day long and probably will want to another time. <laughs> For now... I do this thing with all my guests called a purpose power play round. It's when I ask you very random questions and whatever's the first thing that comes to your mind is the right answer. Are you down? Yes. It's like David Letterman or whatever that is meets like self-help or something. Okay. <laughs> when you were a little girl, what did you want to be? I wanted to be a baby animal trainer and a writer. <laughs> perfect. That is so mine love. That's Perfect. <laughs> No, not just any animal trainer, a baby just the animal babies. trainer. I'd send them off to somebody else just when the they babies. got too big. <laughs> oh, that is so cute. That's so did you ever look into being a veterinarian or No. I guess it's not a veterinarian. Did you ever look into being a trainer? No, but I do see in my future having tons of animals. <laughs> so we'll see how that pans out. We will see. I imagine hopefully your little one will love having tons of animals in the house. Hopefully. He's so, got no choice. I'm just at this <laughs> Right. I mean, at this stage, you know, mine is, my baby is 10 months and we have a five-year-old Labradoodle and we thought the Labradoodle would love our baby so much. And he like has no interest in him whatsoever. And that was fine because he was like laying around, didn't do anything. But now our baby is crawling everywhere and just wants to like pat him, which means pulling his hair. And so <laughs> he's like, the, like no. he's doing like, I, yeah, the dog's like, no, we're like, you're, you're ruining it, man. You know, we want you to have the dog love you. All right. Next question. A book that you recommend over and over again. Untethered Soul. Hmm. It's always changing. That's the one I've been recommending for like the last two years. An author that I always come back to though, that one that's been most life-changing is Paul Selig. He is a channeler and he's channeled all of his books in front of a live audience and then it's just transcribed with zero editing. And so it changed my idea. I used to always... I really love the idea of channelers, but always had the seed of doubt in my mind until him because every sentence is so profound and quotable. It would be impossible to do if it, if he wasn't channeling something above himself. And so he's got, I think, uh, eight books now and every single one of them is life-changing. I recommend going from the first one and just moving along in the series. Wow. I've never heard of this. He's been on my podcast a couple of times, which has just been like a dream come true because I have loved him forever. I have to go listen to those episodes. This is amazing. Yes, he's amazing. So, so, so cool. 
What made you fall in love with your partner? The fact that we were both on a growth path. I had never really dated a man before that was on that same path. And so what what the trajectory would often be is I would be by myself and start to really work on myself. And then I would get into a relationship and just go stagnant again. And then I'd be mm. in the relationship and then I would start getting resentful that I would st was stuck in the same place and then break up with them and then go back on my growth path. And so it was this constant up and down. And it was like, I would go further down than before. And then I'd have to kind of start over from this other spot. And with him, all of a sudden my growth became exponential because I had somebody constantly validating, not that I needed that at the time I, I, it was helpful though. And so I'm now at a place where I don't need that validation. And even if he did stop growing with me, I would continue to grow. But at that time when I was still had so full of self-doubt, it was, it was really, really helpful. And so, uh, we both bonded over things like the law of attraction and, mm. and psycho cybernetics. That's another really good book and, and just all of the ways. And so, um, he's just my biggest supporter. He makes my website and I help him with his marketing. And so yeah, yeah, it was yeah. such like a perfect <laughs> relationship that, uh, it, it felt like I manifested him. <laughs> mm, you did. Or as I like to say, you womanifested him. I love that. Yes. <laughs> All right. Last question. What's one thing you want every woman to know? That you are more than you believe yourself to be. Mm. I think that's something I remind myself every single day because it's so easy to get caught up in just this human experience. But we are all aspects of the divine. We all have that inside of us. We have access to that if we just let ourselves. And so often it's just getting out of our own way. And, uh, I look at it more as uniting with that version of me. And so it does take intention and work just like everything good does. As much work as I've done on myself, I, I have not gotten to a place where I'm just always my highest self. I have to have that voice and, and trust that, that version of me. And so that's just the little mantra that I often tell myself is you are more than you believe yourself to be. And mm. oftentimes that at least opens up my curiosity where I'm like, well, what is that? And then it gets me into that receiving mode instead of constantly pushing. Mm. You are more than you believe yourself to be. Beautiful. Melissa, it's been such a pleasure having you on the Purpose Girl podcast. Thank you so, so, so much for sharing all of your wisdom and all of your insight and all of your realness and all of your just, all of you. Thank you. And to all of you out there, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this episode of the Purpose Girl podcast. If you loved it as much as we did, head over to Apple Podcasts. As Melissa said, leave that five-star review. Your reviews are seriously how we are attracting amazing guests like Melissa. And it's how women all over the world are finding us and changing their lives. That's how we change the world one woman at a time. If you're not in the Purpose Girls Facebook group, what are you waiting for? Girlfriend, we are almost 4,000 women strong. Every single week, you're going to get a live teaching from me where I'm group coaching you, where every day we are posting different prompts, like head over there right now and join this sisterhood of women who will unconditionally love, support, and cheerlead you. And with that, my love, may you live purposefully. May you love yourself and may you love life. Bye for now. <laughs>